Today, the Quantum Questions podcast on the subject of what is addiction, Lucy Pattinson will be interviewing Liam Brown. Lucy is the creator of the Who Am I series and the co-founder of the Quantum Questions. She has also been a breath coach for over 30 years, leading seminars and running a private practice. Liam Brown is the author of the book From Dealer to Healer, Liam has overcome his own addictions to alcohol and drugs and is now a life coach helping others with their own battles in this area. If you'd like to know more about the Quantum Questions, please go to the website www.thequantumquestions.com. Hi, I'm Lucy and I'd like to welcome all our listeners to the Quantum Questions podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Today, I'm really excited to have Liam Brown here talking about the huge subject of what is addiction. And Liam has had a very personal journey in this subject, writing the book From Dealer to Healer, which is an amazing read. And he's also now a life coach, teaching others um, how to battle this subject and beyond, not just in this subject. He also is a yoga teacher and he has his own unique style with that. Um, I think weekly he does something called a yoga rave, which one day I would love to attend. So Liam, welcome to the Quantum Questions. Really great to have you here. Thanks for having me, appreciate it. So I've had my own personal um, dealings with this subject with people very close to me and my family. So I've seen it from the other side. And for me, it's completely baffling how someone can ruin their lives with substances. It, it makes no sense. I cannot get my head in. And maybe that's true for all people that are not addicted to substances. They cannot understand it. What's... Yeah. Um, well, but I think that everybody's addicted to something, you know, and, it, and sometimes it's like, like a friend of mine is has been addicted to, to nicotine, and uh, you know since he was thirteen, and he he's tried and he's tried and he and he can't break it. And you know, in some ways, it's actually well, at least it's not one of the worst things that he's addicted to. Do you know what I mean? But it's still the same, the same mental. It's the same mental agitation. It's the same illness, but. I, you know, I used to joke with him. I'm like, why do you get addicted to something that's more fun, like cocaine or crack? At least then you'll hit the floor, <laughs> and you might, and you might come out of your addiction. Do you know what I mean? You'll you'll heal your addiction. But I think with mild things like tobacco, like shopping, like you know, well, sex is a bit less mild. But with with those things, um, because it's more accepted by society, and it doesn't have such a kind of negative knock-on effect to all those around you that it's it's not seen as much of an addiction, but it's it's still the same. It's the same thing, and to understand it is to is to realize that it's yeah that it is an illness. You know, it's like and it's a very you know if somebody's got something wrong with the lung, you can't see it. If somebody's an addict to crack, cocaine, heroin, alcohol, you you see it. You know, and even even with alcohol, there's so many functioning alcoholics. There's so many dysfunctioning alcoholics but society accepts that in a way 
And then you've got the people who it's it's really a problem. But we have so many alcoholics, especially in this country, um, who are suffering with addiction. But it's it usually with with a lot of things. It's just to cover up pain, mental agitation, things that happened to us when we were younger. And it's for us to go on a to go on a journey to to heal that or to find something else like a practice or a meditation or a more spiritual life to really heal it and have something more positive to focus our energy on but what what is it that can make someone look at their previous traumas because a lot of people just will actually kill themselves go as far as killing themselves with addictive behavior what what was the spark for you personally to look at your world in a completely different way um well i wouldn't say i was a, a heavy duty addict but when i started doing the 12-step program and going to aa and na it was it was to stop me going to prison basically but my life was out of control and unmanageable which is is definitely a trait of people with on these programs at cana on a 12-step program um, and then when I went to that, I started to realise that I did have I did have problems with with substances, and they'd always been they'd always been part of my life. Um, so I think I think hitting rock bottom is very important. You know, like you get a lot of people who are trying, like they've got friends with addictions, they've got friends with problems, and they're trying to help them, help them, help them, help them, help them. Actually, you can't help anyone; they can only help themselves. Help yeah. from a, help from a third party doesn't exist. That's called that should be classed as support. And I try and step away from that with all my teachings and other teachers that come to me, um, to my events, to my practices. I always try and reprogram the word help because oh, the the person can only help themselves. We can support them, and sometimes the best support we can give somebody is let them hit rock bottom, let them get to that first suicide attempt, because then that can be eventually be the wake-up call that they need yet yeah, some people we might we might lose but there needs to be for me when I was going to counseling I was seeing people who had been in this this state for like 40 years and I was yeah. like I'm giving myself three years I can't handle this if I've not sorted myself out in three years I'm gonna commit suicide because what's the point of living a life like that for 40 years it, it was so uncomfortable i was crawling in my own skin i felt disgusting i hated myself nothing was positive from a past present future and it was just it was vile being inside my body and i was like i'm not going to be like that for 40 years that's that's horrendous like i put myself out of my misery for me it was like you know going and getting your dog put down i'd be doing myself a favor by step like by checking out but, you know, then I went, I was really determined. And once you've got that determination to heal, to find the, to find the reasons for your agitation, for my, for, to find the reasons for your behaviour, to start taking some responsibility for your behaviour, which is the most important thing. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Everybody wants to blame this person. Oh, what about my upbringing? Oh, I had these circumstances. Oh, it was worse for me. It's like, they're the best things. When you actually go on a path, they're the things that turn you into a magnificent human and you have yeah. to become, think, fucking hell, I'm so blessed that I was born with these really terrible 
life situations that made me grow to such an amazing human so quickly. Because if I'd had a lovely childhood where everything was provided, like people were really nice to me, I was in a loving environment, how can I then support other people that are struggling? It's a lot more difficult to come from like the lotus flower that blossoms out of the swamp of shit. That's what we're supposed to be. So it's actually just use whatever there's nothing negative there's nothing bad that's happened to you in your life it's a point to grow from that you can turn into something beautiful so then it, it once you realize that this, the thing isn't bad the thing is beautiful so but what i'm really interested in liam is so what was the catalyst for you coming out of the mud was it going to na and you said ca is that cocaine addiction yeah is that, yeah. Yeah. Is that was that the catalyst cocaine anonymous AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. The thing that triggered it for me was, you know, my mum died. I was questioning a lot of stuff with that. And then I was nearly going to prison. I was thinking I was going to go to prison for like quite a while. So I really had to sort of, I really was determined to get my shit together. I was, and when when my mum died, it was almost like when I, because I was living in London at the time, when I lived in London and she lived in Manchester, she couldn't see what I was up to. When she died, I was more aware of her and thought that she was potentially, could see what I was doing or feel oh, what I was doing. Interesting. So I felt this more like I was being watched and I needed to up my game to really honour her spirit, honour her life, honour how much she meant to me um by making subtle changes and i was trying but getting arrested and nearly going to prison was like the the shake that i needed the real kind of right now is the time to step up yeah amazing so that was more the wake-up call than going to the aa stuff yeah that that was was, they were the major shakes and then stuff started to shift and cognitively change within my behavior and within my own mind through the 12-step program. I was still determined to not have a spiritual awakening at any point. I was like, I'm not having a spiritual awakening. I'm not changing my life. I just want to not, I just want to be happier and I want to stop using drinking drugs. Yeah, amazing. I went to Al-Anon for quite a while, you know, being um, close to someone who is an alcoholic. And uh, I could never quite get my head around this thing where you you say, I am an alcoholic or I am a drug addict for the rest of your life. Even if you haven't touched it for 20 years, I know people still going, still saying that. Mm -hmm. I find that really bizarre. Do you, is it healthy? I don't know. Well, yeah, because it's it's to admit what you are. It's like, you know, I'm a, a heterosexual Mancunian. It's just, it, it's a fact. You don't lose, you don't lose this illness. It's it's always there. If you stop doing your practices, that's what you will go back to. So you it's, think that really is for the rest of your life? Yeah, if you, if you, if you stop using the practices and you go back to, if you go and have a drink or you start, you know, oh, I'm just going to have a drink socially and you stop the practices, it will eventually lead you back to that really negative wherever you were before it will lead you back there so to reiterate that all the time is to remember honor what you are honor your illness your illness hasn't gone away you're just 
finding practices to control it, medicate it, not through medication, through cognitive um, processes. Um, so yeah, it's just to, it's just to reinforce. It's like this is who I am. I still just I really find it hard to believe that like if you did profound spiritual practices for 15 years that that wouldn't then take you to a completely different level where you wouldn't have to then say I'm an alcoholic when you haven't drunk for 15 years do you think even that is not probably I guess people they probably wouldn't but when you're going to a meeting that's part of a meeting because there's people there who've just started you know what I mean mm. they need to be saying that but you might get somebody and but people will say it like you know I've got a friend who's 13 years clean. He still says, you know, I'm an alcoholic. And yeah, yeah, if, I know people like that too. Yeah. If, if, I change, if I change my, if I change, if I start drinking again, my, my life will spiral out of control. So for me to remember what the consequences are, I think it's also mentally to just reiterate, like, this is what I am. If I start changing my behavior, I can go back to that quite easily, which I don't want to do yeah you know people don't have to use it i don't i don't i don't i don't say it about myself um yeah so you you feel this really does come from childhood traumas and i think there's a very high statistic something like 50 percent of children of an addict become an addict but what interests yeah. me is 50 percent don't become an addict so what do you think it is Genetics, biology, you know, why, why, why is somebody born in a slum in India and becomes, a, you know, a world-renowned writer and poet where his brother and sister remain in the slum? It's just, you, you know, it's just, it's just genetics. It, or it's past karmas, it's past life experiences that have born you into these situations to inspire others you know you like you know the lotus flower again you can come from anywhere and be anything you want like it's just and you know two people lose the job get made redundant one goes what am i gonna do what am i gonna do the other's like oh man i can live my dream now i've got this thing that i've been wanting it's forced me into this it's just it's all perspectives i've got i've got two friends i've got a friend who was adopted his mum and dad died um in a car crash he was adopted him and his brother and his brother uh, into a rich family where and my friend really excelled and has done amazingly well where his brothers always felt like they didn't deserve that like why have, you know and still kind of on that stuck in the idea of losing his family but then also stuck with living with these rich people that are trying to look after him and not being able to accept it you know there's always different ways to go and different characters of who we are we know you know we're not all we're not all born the same we've not all got the we're not all born with the with the karmic path you know we've not all had the same past lifetimes that have allowed us to grow as a soul yeah yeah I mean I don't want to talk too personally about mine because I don't want to sort of name and shame anyone that people close to me but you know as seeing young people around addiction I was quite aware of this thing how some could become addicts themselves and some could not through influence yeah and I really struggled with it and I I don't think I um helped in any way and it almost like things 
took their own path or are taking mm -hmm. their own path. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to see, very hard to watch. Um, mm -hmm. And very hard, as you say, to let someone go rock bottom. You know, if you love someone, it's excruciating to start thinking about that. And yeah, I, I sometimes would let someone almost, you know, start going there. And then I just couldn't let them go the whole way. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, but then in some ways to love them is to let them go there. Yeah. Because by 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 helping them, stopping them reaching rock bottom, you know, you're you're at you yeah, you you're stopping them reaching rock bottom. They need they, you need to get there. A lot of people need to get there. It's like everything's fucked, everything's destroyed. Right, okay. Either I wake up or I check out, you know, they're the options at that point. And from from people helping, 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 they're just you're just perpetually supporting them in their dysfunctional behavior for however many years, for the rest of their life, potentially. I've got a friend who works in the Priory in um, in South Manchester, and she's like, you know, at the moment there's there's so many rich families sending their kids who are, you know, addicted to ketamine, addicted to other drugs, a lot of ketamine with young people at the moment, um, and just sending their kids to the Priory to get fixed, and the kids are just going there, don't really want her, and not bothered, but just to make the parents happy. And the parents think they're doing a good thing by sending them to the Priory. Whereas actually, they probably would have done a good thing by giving them a cuddle since they've been a child, you know, giving them love, just spending time with them. Like a lot of people who've got that amount of money to, to throw at something usually are, are away from their child, have not had that closeness because they're busy with their life, they're busy with companies, whatever it is. And then they go, okay, I don't want to face that. My, my son or daughter's a drug addict. I'll just throw money at it. You know, there's like, there's the thing with the arist aristocrats of like how many aristocratic children become heroin addicts yeah. because there's this, there's such a blockage with, with the family, you know. I can't, I can't there's, there's actually, there's a name for it, isn't there? I can't remember. There's a, there's a saying about that. I can't remember. There's a name for people who've uh, become heroin addicts heroin and crack addicts who've got aristocratic or very wealthy parents. I, I wonder though, if the proportion percentage wise of people with wealthy parents or poorer parents is actually the same. It's just wealthier people can afford a different price of drug in a way, can't they? I guess they can stay alive for longer because they get a better quality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I lived in Manhattan during the crack era, which was yeah. just the most revolting drug um, and was cheap. Yeah really horrible um anyway liam the other thing i wanted to ask you is you know we always talk about the negative side of addiction but people do have real spiritual experiences with drugs don't they and can you see yeah. a positive side to being a drug addict for example no i don't see a positive side to being an addict At with all. anything that's it yeah no there's no positive side it's um it's destructive. It's taking up all your thoughts. Your mind's not clear. You're not present. And there's no there's there's no positives. There's, there I, I feel there's positives with drug use, recreational. It <clears throat> for me, every drug that I used growing up, I had 
an experience and an awakening of some element of my, wherever it was my creativity, whether like breath, for me, ecstasy, totally opened my heart for the first time. You know, me and my friends started hugging each other. And we're from a council estate in Manchester. All you did was shake <laughs> hands with men. Do you know what I mean? You didn't hug your mates. We all started hugging. We were, we were all having conversations about things that we'd been pent up about for years between each other. Um, it was a, but then it got to the fact, and I had beautiful experiences on ecstasy, beautiful connections with people, beautiful connections with partners, amazing sex with ecstasy, like little families that you create at festivals. But then it became when you start using it regularly all the time, when it's like four or five times a week, you start deteriorating a little bit and it becomes it becomes negative and you yeah you still can have elements of that heart opening experience but you're you're more like depressed between when you're taking it you have really low come downs where you want to kill yourself for a couple of days so it's like yeah it, it kind of yeah it becomes it becomes very negative once you start abusing it yeah i've spoken to alcoholics they don't even enjoy alcohol anymore actually you know, they, they used to in the early days, and now it's just this this thing they have to do without the pleasure. It's Yeah. Yeah. Bad habits. Mm. And choices. But and there is, there's a lot of support out there for people. There's, there's, no, there's no excuse. And, you know, the 12-step program is such an amazing program. Um, but a lot of people are not, prepared to let it's like oh if i if i stop drinking then i'm going to lose all my friends do you know what i mean well what's more important for you to be healthy and to be nice to your family around you and to stay alive or to be around your friends who you know you've got to you've got to really really change a lot of aspects of your life yeah when you're when you've got the whatever substance it is under control maybe you can go back and see those people and be in your power and make them know that you are not using anymore. But until you're at that space, you need to be away from those people. And if they're friends, they'll understand and they'll want what's best for you. Yeah. yeah it's been hugely successful, hasn't it, the 12-step program? Um, I've it's seen other people try different things, including rehab, yeah. but it seems like AA just keep going, keep going, and they've got a system that works. Totally, yeah, and it's all it's all it's all Buddhist, really. When Is you it? read it, it, when you read it, and then you just so it's so connected to Buddhism, and just like you know, realizing there's a lot of suffering, um, making an inventory, forgiveness is massive with the twelve steps. Connecting Getting to down. God, isn't it? yeah connecting to god and that's and that's massively difficult for a lot of people i'm not getting into any of that god shit i'm not and i was i remember going to my first meeting and he was like i'm from a council estate so but these meetings were in london but there was these you know proper london geezers at these meetings big blokes muscle like a lot of people that i grew up with how they look now and i was like i go gold teeth and scars and stuff and i was like all right these are these are geezers and these are saying these prayers. And this um, this guy come up to me and he had a couple of gold teeth. And he was like, oh, mate, I saw how freaked out you got at the God bit then. Um, he said, but he said, it doesn't have to be God. Like, as you perceive it, he went, it can be like 
the universe or if you've got someone who's died, then just something, just to admit that there's something bigger than you out there. Yeah. Like just to just look up at the stars and go, wow, there's something out there, you know, there's something that's more intelligent than me, that's more intelligent than this earth, to just open up to that. And so when these, when I see these big geezers doing that, I'm like, okay, right, I can get down on my knees and not feel like an idiot in the morning, you know, but at the time that was really difficult for me. And it was really difficult for me to do it around people, around my girlfriend. I felt really embarrassed. Yeah. And, you know, and I felt really embarrassed saying the word God. And yeah. now I probably say the word God too much, you know, because <laughs> it embarrasses other people. But it's like to flip that word of like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be good. It, God, it can be like a source energy, infinite consciousness, great spirit, the universe. It can be any of those things. But sometimes it's just easier to say God. Yeah, I've been I've been with someone that really struggled with that kneeling down, praying. Was it once or twice a day? I think, and it is well, also it's an act of humility as well, isn't it? Doing that, it's just it's an act of surrender as well. Of just like I'm I'm not I'm not doing a very good job of this. Can someone else please support me? Yeah, <laughs> and you have to, and you know when you say the serenity prayer every day, and the serenity prayer is is a beautiful, beautiful prayer. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Like, yeah, that's So amazing. many people are getting tied up in their minds about things they have no control over. Yeah. Totally no control over. I'm like, you're just wasting energy. Yeah. Totally wasting energy. So it's a beautiful prayer. But also just like, yeah, addicts go to it. For me, everybody should do the 12-step program. Yeah. Everybody. Like, just do it. You're not an addict. Go and do it because it will have a positive impact on your life. A positive I can impact. believe that, Liam. You know, when I looked at what the 12 steps were, I thought, oh, my God, these are beautiful. And then when you do everything about making amends with all the people in your life, we should all do that. Super powerful. So powerful. Yeah. It, just, it was just like it was was one of the biggest parts of my spiritual awakening, my awakening to myself, my awakening to really trying to be a, po- a better person. And, you know, I still fuck up now and again, but I can fuck up and I can step back and look at it and see my behaviour and go, right, And I've got a bit of work to do on that situation, you know, or whatever it may be. And did so, you completely stop then all all drugs after the twelve step program? I did for I did for a long time, and now I, after, I think it was three four years of abstinence from everything. Like I was, my mate, I go in the pub still because a lot of me, my mates got a pub. All my mates go in there. Everyone I played football with, and I'd go in, and it, I became Liam that doesn't drink, that doesn't do anything. I was yogi man, you know what I mean? And then I I went to Spain. Um, and I was just in, I was with my friend and I just, we have these little beers called the Torito in San Sebastian, which is in the Basque country. And I just fancied it in that heat, in that environment. And I had a Torito and then I would have maybe one little Torito. It's like two mouthfuls of beer every night. Um, and then I was like, okay, this is cool. And now... I'm in total control. Like, I, I've probably not been drunk 
since before I became abstinent. I don't remember the last time I was drunk. I used to only go out to get drunk. And now it's like, if I fancy the taste, if it's an accompaniment to a meal, but it won't lead to me going, oh, I'm going to get rat arsed. You know, it, yeah. it's not got, it's not, got, I'm in, I feel in such a good place from the abstinence that I'm like, I remember even when the World Cup was on, was it last year, the year before? And I went out with my mates. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have a drink with my mates tonight and see what happens and enjoy it. And I went out and I had, I only drink half beers. So I get a lot of stick for that off the lads as well, because that's seen as gay. Um, and I'm like, it's Spanish beer. It's brewed to be drank like that. So <laughs> um, whatever. And, and, and me caring about what other people think is 10 years ago. So, um, yeah, we went, I went out and I had, I had one, one half drink. And then I was like, I just didn't fancy it. It's whatever my taste is saying to me, whatever my body's saying. Obviously, my body's really pure, so it re rejects a lot of stuff like that. But then I was on lime soda for the night and I still had a great night. They all got drunk. But it was just like, that's how I felt at the time. So I didn't feel mm. the need to do it. But mm. I still didn't... Um, what's the word? I didn't kind of... I wasn't harsh on myself by saying, no, you're not having that. It was just like, I'm going to enjoy that. But some people, that's not possible. They cannot do that. That first touch of alcohol will lead them back to that negative space, whereas it's not going to happen for me. So, I'm Well, that's a little bit what I mean. I think you've done an awful lot of spiritual work on yourself and you do it daily. Yeah. So I do think, I believe you can rise above having to say, I am a drug addict, I am an alcoholic for the rest of your life, if you do very deep work like you've done on yourself. And so... Yeah. In some ways, you're almost proving what I'm saying. I mean, obviously, you're at a different level of addiction to other people where yeah. who are much stronger. And I'm not encouraging anyone to go out and have a drink you know, or, or drugs. But I do think if you really profoundly do work, particularly, well, mainly spiritual work, you yeah. can it's almost like blast it out of your karma, I think. But we're talking about years of work. Well, that's a lot of work, yeah. 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 And now one of the um, spiritual things you do is cacao ceremonies. And yeah. I had the pleasure of coming to one and I'd <laughs> recommend anyone to do one of Liam's cacao ceremonies. <clears throat> and it was really um, weird in some ways, this feeling like you had, you were almost drugged, but in yeah. a very kind of harmonious way. I mean, there felt like there was no, um, there was no, nothing negative about it at all. It was harmonious, natural, powerful, and it was with a group of people. So there was this sort of network of hearts going on. Yeah. And also I could see how it could attract addicts to come to that because you are taking a substance, aren't you? And <laughs> your, your consciousness changes. Yeah, yeah. So... And that, so is that, do you do that for a lot of people with addictive behavior in particular? We get a lot of, we get a lot of, we do get a lot of addicts or ex-addicts um, come into ceremonies and come into the, we get a lot of ex-addicts come into the yoga raves because it's like an environment that they still want to be part of, but they know they can't go to an actual rave that's full of drugs, full of hedonism, full of alcohol, whereas they can come to a yoga rave and know that the strongest thing they're going to get served is cacao. 
You know what I mean? And it's a heart-opening, expansive medicine. Um, and in the ceremonies, it just allows, like for me, cacao is, is very subtle. Like a lot of the other plant medicines, which cacao is a plant medicine, like ayahuasca, aboga, um, San Pedro, peyote, these, uh, they're more psychedelic. They're more of a journey. But these are medicines that do heal a lot of addicts. A lot of addicts get healed from ayahuasca. It's it's got like an eight. Some shamans have like an eighty percent success rate with crack and heroin addicts. Wow, that's huge. Massive. It's no. There's no rehab center in the world that has that. It's it's insane. Like in Peru, some of the government schemes are sending crack and heroin addicts to certain shamans to be healed to go and do a month. It's like they're going to cause oh. less problem if we invest in that than <laughs> being in the city causing chaos. God, amazing um, to know that's there. Yeah. Yeah, but it like the cacao is just like you said, it it's it's powerful, but it's subtle. It's not, it doesn't like you take ayahuasca, you've gone on a journey for eight hours that you have no control over. The spirit comes into you and is there to cleanse you, put you in really some traumatic situations for you to heal from. Whereas the cacao, yeah, it comes in, it's subtle, it's soft, it's beautiful, it's heart opening, it's expansive. You create this beautiful energy in the space, supportive energy where people can release emotions, um, can release negative characteristics, uh, you know, character defects of themselves. Things can come up and be processed in the ceremony. Cacao can be as powerful as ayahuasca, but it's up to you to do the work. The cacao's not going to do all the work for you. The cacao's going to take you to a certain point and then go, right, it's time for you to really delve into that um, emotion, delve into that childhood trauma, delve into that negative behaviour that you've got. It's, it's, it's giving you the opportunity to do the work yourself, which in a way can be a lot more rewarding. So what is it the the medicine men do improve i mean is it something you could do with cacao whatever they're doing with ayahuasca or is that something very specific to ayahuasca no it's just it's the medicine ayahuasca it's the specific it's the specific medicine it's it's very very it's strong it's strong it's like one of the most powerful psychedelics in the world um yeah you, you you know you go journeying you get met by interdimensional beings like you can get your life's message you can get told all your traumas you can be totally have an horrific trip and horrific journey where you feel like you've died or you feel like you've made up your whole whole life you feel like you've lost your mind but those journeys which are horrific and i'll hold my hands up and say it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me ever (laughs) ever 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 but then I don't have any fear now in life because that's happened. I'm like, nothing to worry about. <laughs> I've been, I had my soul ripped out and cut into tiny, tiny pieces and thrown through the galaxy and <laughs> from the universe. Oh yeah, my car's been clamped. <laughs> Simple things like that, or you know, something's happened. I'm just like, oh, oh well. So you've got perspective now, Liam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, even when people die, I'm like, they're just gone back to wherever they were before it's yeah. it's all right like i actually feel a bit jealous that they <laughs> like oh they've got out of this world which is a bit fucked up especially at the moment but it always has been um but everyone's just focusing on how it is now 
Um, but it, it always has been. So in a way, I'm like jealous of people going back to source energy, which is, you know, infinite possibility, infinite awareness, you know, and, and to choose another journey. It's like I probably choose one at a more utopian planet next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe just for one lifetime and then come back and learn some more stuff here. So, yeah, so coming back to addiction, with the cacao ceremony, if someone was rolling drunk, would you let them come in, for example, to a cacao ceremony? No, no. no certainly not. No. no. You but have to fast. You have to be clean of drinking drugs for at least 24 hours. You have to be clean of medication, like uh, antidepressants for a few days. Um, there's apps. If someone come into someone come into my house drunk, I'd tell them to piss off. Yeah. So I'm not bringing anyone with that energy into a ceremonial space where other people are there to heal. Yeah. And some people might, but that's not happening on my watch. Yeah. But do you think the actual ceremony helps people who have addictive problems? 100%, yeah. yeah. And, and how, Liam? How? Because it, it gives them a, a, a bit of stillness. It clears the mental agitation in the mind. It opens the heart. If we're all walking around with a fully opened heart, there is no addiction, you know. It, it it goes. It's all the stuff that's surrounding your heart that's that's blocking it from being your true essence. Like your true essence isn't an addict. Your true essence is a beautiful human being connected to one co what unity consciousness, yeah. who's sending love and beauty. But when it's all covered up and you're just you're in this dark energy, you've got dark entities attaching to you. You you're in pubs and clubs where there's a lot of dark energy, dark entities, and they're going, boom, he's available to jump into. You know what I mean? That's why I don't even like going in pubs and clubs anymore because I feel the energy. Whereas you come into a cacao ceremony if you're an addict and you've got a space, even if you're not an addict, like I, I had a guy who's a big, big kind of like, used to be a bouncer, fighter, drugs, everything, come into the space the other day and they're massive in you know out there they come into a tent it all disappears the vulnerable that is a little boy and you go in and you want to open the heart and with that heart opened it allows them to be softer when they go back outside so for an addict it's it gives them four hours to sit with themselves with a clearer mind and to really look into what is the darkness what is the issues what is the thing that's leading me to these negative behaviors and so about four hours with a clearer mind to be able to do do some of that work is a massive blessing for anybody yeah and i think this does come down to the heart of addiction in a way it's the feeling of being separate isn't it from others mm. and when you can create real true connection that need for addiction must start falling away yeah Totally, totally. I, you know, just just through through all practices, through yoga practices, through meditation, through going to ceremonies, cleaning your body, and then your body doesn't want that shit in it anymore. You know, the cleaner your body gets, the cleaner your consciousness gets, your mind gets, your body just will start to reject those things. Well, that's wonderful, Liam. Thank you. I wanted to ask you for our listeners. What would you say 
to some people who are addicted to substances that might be listening to this, something they could do on a daily basis that would help them make steps towards overcoming this addiction? Set if those are the right words. Take responsibility for your own actions to start with, start seeing where your fault is. Get on a 12-step program immediately um, and just pray to God for support and love and help Like, and just admit I'm not controlling this. The more yeah. you speak to something and you offer it up and you ask for help, the help will come. So it's just get down on your knees, pray for the life that you want, and then it will start to manifest. But get down on your knees every day. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose this 12-step program give you daily things on top of that to do, don't they? But yeah, fantastic. Yeah, the, the inventory that you have to write, the, the process. Get in with the 12 steps as well. You get a sponsor. So you've got someone pushing you got someone driving you you've got other people around you realize that when you start going into that world you realize there's so many addicts there's so many people suffering and struggling but then there's also so much support available to you you know you're sat at home there's nothing i can do i can't get out of this there's nobody to help me poor me poor me you make a phone call you look online about meetings realize i don't know what it's like at the moment but there'll be online meetings probably i would imagine now um it's all available there but it's you get off your ass and do the work stop relying on everybody else to make you better because it doesn't happen it doesn't exist you can only make yourself better i'm pretty harsh get your shit together start making positive steps do something that makes you uncomfortable that every day yeah telling your partner that you love them buying them flowers being nice, cooking a meal, you know, whenever you go and visit someone, have a gift, simple things. Stop being selfish. And then for our other listeners, Liam, who uh, love someone who's an addict, and there's probably four or five people loving each addict, you know, maybe more, maybe less. What can they also do on a daily basis in, in this subject? Pray again. Stop trying to help them, support them, don't try and help them. Um, and realize that you might have a part to play in their addiction by help trying to help them. Um, you know, you can go to a meeting with them, they allow you to go if, if it takes that. Per- I've took friends to meetings. Um, if that's the first step that needs to happen, then go and you know if if it's not if other addicts aren't allowed in i pretended that i was you know or other people i know have pretended to be an addict just to get the other person in the space and then yeah stop trying to prop them up with money with i don't even know if it is love sometimes because it can sometimes be attachment it can sometimes be you know, a lot of people like, well, I'm trying to help, which makes me look like a great person. But actually, I'm doing the person a disservice by helping them because yeah. they need to get down there. <laughs> and you're just, oh, stay up here, stay up here. Don't go down there. You know, yeah. boom. Okay, now I can rise up. <laughs> yeah. Which sounds horrific, sounds 
unkind from me, but that's the truth of the matter. Yeah, I think in relationships, you're right, there is this symbiotic relationship going on. Obviously, with children, it's a slightly different matter, though, isn't it? But... Yeah, but again, it, you know, like we said about the family sending the kids to the priory and there's no there's no love there. It's like, someone else take care of that. I can't do it. You know what I mean? No, I meant the children's of an addict. The other oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Slightly different. But, you know, when you think of it on a cosmic level, uh, that's the choice of the family that we chose to be born into. I chose to be born into a very violent family and see a lot of, see my mum getting knocked all over the place for years. You know, I chose that environment and now I realise why and, and it's a blessing. And there's lots of things, like my mum's death cosmically happened for me to be doing the positive work that I'm doing now. Yeah. Otherwise, really... if, she hadn't died, if she hadn't died, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. So it's about taking responsibility for your life, not being a victim and looking for the jewels in the crap, really, is what you're saying. Totally. The crap is the jewels. The crap is the jewels. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful, Liam. Thank you so much for being with us. And and lastly, is the Yoga Rave online at the moment? Um, it... No, we're doing, we're doing, we've been doing some um, in-person events. We've got another one probably December. The cacaos are still in person. Um, they're on all on my website. Everything's on the events page of my website, which is liambrown.com. So just go over there and see what we've got going on. We've got a retreat in January in the Lake District. Um, and we're just kind of like meandering. Like, again, we're meandering through this swamp of shit to see where we can blossom up little lotus flowers for people to uh for people to expand for people to transform but to people mainly to get out of fear no yeah. your heart doesn't have fear open your heart your heart isn't scared of anything and like i said with ayahuasca what's the worst thing can happen i can die brilliant <laughs> <laughs> next <Rather> adventure than... <laughs> you know what i mean it's just like just get out of that fear like how do you think how do you think billions and billions of years of humans have have survived like we've all been breathing the same air for but millennium after millennia just get out of the fear come to a cacao ceremony come to a yoga rave uh or give hit me up um we've got one-to-one -one cacaos i do online i do couples cacaos um i can bring cacao to you if you've got a group of people that want a cacao ceremony so yeah there's, yeah. there's lots of options everything's on the website check it out thank you so much liam for being here and it's really um reassuring to know you're out there you're offering all sorts of opportunities for people to rise up and as you say to lose some fear to open their hearts in really beautiful methods you're offering in that place so thank you thank you, you. it's a pleasure talking to you and uh Good luck with the podcast and everything that you're doing. You're doing amazing work as well. Thank you, Lynn. Lots of love. This has been a The Quantum Questions production. If you'd like to know more about The Quantum Questions, please go to the website www.thequantumquestions.com.